have a word for you today. It's a word I believe that God has given to me, and it's going to bless you. It's going to challenge you. It's going to encourage you. Um, it's going to make you feel good. Amen? It's just make you feel good, just opening the word of the Lord. Um, so the title and the theme for this month is The Blood of Jesus Still Speaks Today. The Blood of Jesus Still Speaks Today. And it was interesting because we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24, and verse 25. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24, and 25. And what was really interesting um, with this uh, theme and this text and and where we're going is we spent the last month looking at before you speak. And the Lord was saying you can't get to um, love is stronger until you deal with this, uh, that Jesus and the blood that was shed for us. And I know some of you are thinking, man, it's not Resurrection Sunday. I know. I know. But oftentimes we contain powerful life-changing scriptures because of seasons, right? And not the season of God, the seasons of man. And so what he wants us to recognize is that this is so critical, so vital Um, literally to your life, when we take a look at the blood of Jesus, still speaks today. And so Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24 and verse 25 is where we're going to be looking at. And so in verse 24, it says from the English Standard Version, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than that of Abel. So the writer of Hebrew now is helping this, this, this group of believers who are feeling pressure. Someone say pressure. 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 This pressure was in the form of persecution. And so they are discouraged. They are wanting to give up. They are wanting to have some sort of release from this pressure that has been applied to them. And so the writer of Hebrew is saying, let's look to Jesus. Because if you look earlier, he's talking about this kingdom that cannot be shaken. He talks about um, um, Esau and, and, and everything. And then he says, now let's look at Jesus. And he says, he is the mediator of a new covenant. And then he brings them to this story about Abel. He brings them back to where? Genesis. So you see, Pastor is right when he says everything is found in the first three chapters of the book of Genesis. Because now the writer of Hebrew is going to chapter four. He's now given us a picture of when pressure started. He's given the church, and let's go back to the Genesis of pressure in the form of persecution. One way or the other, you and I will experience pressure. We will. We will. For teens, it's called peer pressure. For adults, it's called keeping up with the Joneses. It's pressure. It's, it's, it's pressure being applied that will cause us to give up, give in, to compromise, to throw in the towel. This is pressure. Yeah, pressure also comes from a form of temptation. Can I get a witness? Right? That there's temptations that we face. And so the writer is telling these individuals that I stepped into the new, that what the pressure is coming from is from your past. 
It's not the future that is causing them pressure. That can cause anxiety if you don't know Jesus. Uh, the pressure is coming from the past. It, it's, it's pulling you back into a way of living that can relieve the pressure because it's familiar. So somehow this rioter has to give them something that's going to cause them to move forward in faith. And so he says, let's look at Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. So he's speaking to a system of withholding. And he wants them to understand that this is how you're going to be successful. He goes on, he says, now, see then that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns on heaven. So, so they're saying, I know the pressure is real, but they're saying that Jesus is still speaking in the midst of the pressure. I love Jesus. He speaks in the midst of the storms. He speaks in the midst of the sickness. He speaks in the midst of the suffering, that he's always speaking to us. And so he says that the, the, the greatest message that we must be clear and consistent on is about the blood of Jesus. We've got to be clear on that because, because the system of withholding that you're struggling with you must understand how God has designed you and I, not just to function, but for us to thrive. It's one thing to be under pressure, and there is a release or a relieve of pressure to simply cause you to be stuck. That when God releases pressure from you, and he doesn't necessarily prevent you from going into the storm, but he promised he will be with you in the storm. You, you got to get that. And so he's saying, when I'm with you in the storm, when I'm with you in this, in this fight for, for pressure, I want you to know it's not just for you to stay, but it's for you to thrive and to move to your future that I prepared for you. Oh, God. It makes no sense to struggle, and at the end of it, you just end up drained. That's not the God that I serve, and that's not the God that I preach to you, and I know, come on, that's not the God that you serve. Is there anybody who serves the God who wants forward momentum, who wants you to take and make progress in your life. That's the God you ought to worship. That's the God that visits you in your vehicle sometimes. Come on. That when you're driving and all of a sudden he wasn't on your mind, but he, you were on his mind. And so he invades your space of emptiness to be filled with his presence. I wish I can get one person who knows what it's like to drive your vehicle or to do the dishes. And all of a sudden you're not thinking about him, but he invades your space of nothingness. To fill it with his presence. That's the God that you and I serve. And so he says he doesn't just want you to function. He wants you to thrive. And so to the audience that's here, the reason why I'm laboring this point is because I got to pull you in to recognize that he's speaking to you. The blood of Jesus still speaks today. So therefore, if we must 
move against the systems of men, if we must move against the calendar of men and talk about the blood of Jesus to offend your logic of seasons, then we will. Because what he's saying is that if you only celebrate and recognize the blood on Resurrection Sunday, you will be able to be in a position of where you have some relief, but you're not making progress in your life. And so because he wants you and I to make progress, he begins and he says, now pay attention to this, to this new covenant. Pay attention to Jesus, the mediator, and to the one, the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, blood of Abel. For those of you who know me, uh, there are certain things about me that um, I make no no, no apologies for, 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 for example, um, um, I, I, I'm not uh, one who likes to veer off from certain meals. I'm, I'm a picky eater. And, and so I go to a restaurant and I just stick with what I know. It, it's safe that way for me. I just, I just stick with what I know. And, and, and so my family's gotten used to that. They, they're used to me when I go to a restaurant to ask the waiter a bunch of questions. This is your first time here. Lizzie puts her head down. Oh, gosh, Dad. Lizzie made this statement. She says, Dad, how come you've been here before? This is my first time, and I can order before you and know exactly what I want, and you take forever to order your meal. That's just because I'm a nice guy. And so if, if you know me, and one of the things about me as well is, is that, um, it, is that I, I don't like the sight of, 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 of blood. I, I, I don't like when people are describing to me something that's happened and my legs get weak and, and, and I, just, I just start to collapse and things of that nature. And so, and so when I go for a doctor's appointment and she says you have to get a blood test, I'm like, are you serious? You already did the pressure thing and, you know, you did everything else. And like, no, you got to draw blood. And so when I go in there, I'm like a kid. I tell them I want a sticker when I'm finished. We take my blood. No, I'm serious. And I tell them I want to wrap the bandaid with the, with, with the cotton right there and I wear it. Man, I'm like, aren't you, you going to take it off? I'm like, no, it's a sign of the blood. And, and, and so when I think about that, and, and so what I do then is because I know that, that, that when they're going to put the needle in, I, I, I look away. And I look this way, and, and I'm counting down, and, and it goes in, and they draw the blood. And, and so here's what I think. I said, out of sight, out of mind is my approach. And, and, and so what we're seeing here and looking at the story of the blood of Abel and with Cain is what we're seeing here is the first mention of blood in the scriptures. And, and so here, if you're familiar with the story, what, what we're seeing is this, is that, is, is that, is that Cain kills Abel and, and he thinks now that, that out of sight, out of mind. That this act that I did, the first entrance into humanity is this war that is existing between Cain and Abel. And so the writer of Hebrew has said, I've got to take you back to this story to know your future. He's got to take him back to the first mention of the blood because he's saying that there's a blood that speaks louder, a blood that speaks more clear than the blood of, of Abel. And so when we look at this text, what we see here is that, is that what started this was... Was, was, was God. That, that God established 
in chapter 4 that there's three ways to approach me. God establishes this. It's the first mention of blood. But God is saying, this is how I've established for you to thrive. This is how I established. Even after the fall, God is still saying, make progress. That, that even after they fell for the pressure of the enemy and his character reveals he's a liar. God is still good. Oh, my goodness. Oh, come on. Come on. In the midst of what they, they put fig trees around there, God says, no, I've got you covered. In the midst of their shame, in the midst of, of all that they did, God still said, I got you covered. You see why I love him so much? Do you see why 40 minutes of worship is not enough for me? Do you understand why I got to give God praise? Because even in my nastiness, God still had me and you on his mind. And that's not a license to stay there. That's a love that is stronger than my sin. Good God. And so that is the very thing that we look at. And so, and so if we're going to be interacting, if we're going to be doing life together, there's three things that you must see. And, 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 so, and so when he's writing this now, he's telling them that, that these three things, we have been trying forever to try to, to, try to contain these three things. And God's saying, you, you, you can't contain them. And so what caused this, this, this murderous activity was these three things. If we read in Genesis chapter 4, it says that they came before God, number one, with worship. That, that they were supposed to bring their offering to the Lord. So somehow they still have a consciousness to know that God ought to be worshipped. So here it is that, that the enemy thought that he, he aborted, the enemy thought that he stopped the plan of God, and God still say, no, worship has been going on for all eternity. Oh, good God Almighty. So something that's been going on from all eternity, when it invades earth, it's meant to be continual. It's meant to be perpetual. It's meant to be continuation. It's meant to be progress. So when God shows up, Cain and Abel brought worship. So the first thing to approach God, you must approach him with worship. You must. You must approach him with worship because he ought to be worshipped. He, he, he ought to be worshipped. Now, anybody can praise. Come on. The rocks praise. Come on. The creation praise. See, he's not moved by that. But worship is an act of the will. Good God Almighty. It is you and I making a choice because God is greater than the thing that I see. Come on, that the invisible is more real than the visible. And so because I believe in the invisible God more than the visible God, come on, I'm going to take it by faith with one act of obedience. I'm going to worship him. So the first thing you must do to understand is that you and I were created to worship God and to not worship him is a violation of your design. It is going against the very nature of who you are not to worship. That's why to be an atheist is a lie. Doesn't exist. Story was told about this man with his son who was an atheist and they went out on a, on, on a, on a boat and it was a beautiful day. And this atheist all of a sudden inside of him made this declaration. Oh God, thank you for this. Day. 
you're an atheist. You don't believe in God, but yet you're acknowledging. Why? Because the heavens declares the glory of God. Come on. And I don't care who you are. I don't care what you're going through. The first thing you must understand is that we serve a God who ought to be worshipped because he's a God who is alive and well. And he wants to have a relationship with you and I. So he tells him in Hebrews, he says, listen. And I know you got pressure. I, I, I know you're feeling the pressure of the state. I know you're feeling the pressure to reform, to have the pressure to, to, to retreat. But he's saying the first thing is this, is that worship is vital to you thriving. You can praise and survive. Come on. We do it all the time. Based on the sport team we like, which has been silent in these last couple of months. But worship... Oh, that's a deeper commitment. Worship moves you into a place of intimacy. And so he's saying here is that, is that worship is, is vital. And so it doesn't matter whether you can sing. It's, it's not about your voice. It's about his voice. And so worship is vital. The second thing that we see here is, is, is work. That, 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 that one was a tiller of the ground. The other one was a keeper of the sheep. So work has never been part of the curse. Come on. Just like worship. Oh, you got to understand. What I'm sharing with you is dimension. It's things that are not part of the curse. These are things that you and I do. And especially when we come to know Christ, he renews that in us. And so parents, employers, employees, the first one to recognize is that worship and work and what is interesting in the Hebrew is that they're both so closely related, that they're so closely connected, that what they're saying is that your worship is your work. And your work is your worship. Come on, right? And, 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 so, and so how we do work is as a teen, parents, we call it chores. And as adults, we call it your career. Come on. But what you have to recognize is that you go to your calling. And so your worship, come on, reveals your calling. And your calling is your work. Because I worship. You see how it's all connected? Listen, you can't be a worshiper of God and not know your work. But Pastor O, I'm telling you right now, 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 now what I've done is that out in the world, quote unquote, they don't understand that concept. So as a life coach, I break it down for them and they get it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Out in the world, they're like, oh, I get it. My, my, my work. Okay, I get it. And so what we have to recognize is this, is that when God sets you and I free, what he does, he's saying, now, now worship, worship is unto me. And he's saying, now, and work, work was never cursed. Labor is what they experienced after the fall. Come on. But not Work. And so because, because, watch this now, most of the time we work to earn income, we don't work to get intimacy. And so when we work for a place of intimacy, all the finance you need will just flow. Come on, because God is your provider because it's impossible to worship God and God not move in your life and be good to you. So what must you do when you're unemployed? First of all, you're never unemployed. Come on, somebody, right? You're always employed by the kingdom of God. What you're doing is you're waiting for your next assignment. Come on, you got to change your language. Don't say I'm unemployed. That makes the enemy wrap his mind around you and lie to you that you're not productive. Come on, and that 
which are lazy, which is against the scripture. So you got to say, I'm waiting for my next assignment. Ooh, good God Almighty. And I'm worshiping while I'm waiting. Because I want God to move into that place where this is my work because it reflects my worship. And so he's writing to them and he's telling them, he's saying to them, your worship is being challenged. Your work is being challenged. And finally, the third thing is the word of God. Because after we see the worship and God brought justice to it, and after we see the work, what was brought to God, he gives his word. Cain, why is your face fallen? Why are you upset with me? Come on. I gave you my word. I gave you my word. And he's saying that my word can sustain you. And so even in the very presence of Cain and how he was feeling, the word was still able to penetrate. God said this, Cain, this thing called sin now. Oh, good God of mine. That wasn't that, that didn't infiltrate you before. No, no, no. This thing called sin now that, that, that your parents did. It's now coming after you. And it manifests itself in worship and in work. And now you're challenging my word. Oh, God. And it says, it says, if my word doesn't get to you, then you will be a wanderer. Oh. You'd, be, you'd be aimless. Come on. You, you, you would be without purpose. And so now he says, come on, come on, come on. He said, now you've got to get my word so you're not people who are without purpose. Because what is happening in every single generation, God is still saying, I'm a God of purpose because I gave my word. When? Back in the Garden of Eden. And that word is being carried through. And so what he's saying here is there is that if we reject the word of God, it messes everything else up. And so he says, Cain, what is at the door, what is knocking at the door, this pressure that is knocking upon this generation of, of young people, and what's knocking, and so what's knocking is this, is sin is trying to get into your house. And the word was given, you must master it. Ooh, good God. God, you're not going to help me. He goes, I did. I gave you worship. I gave you work. And I gave you my word. See, it's interesting. In the prayer that Jesus taught us how to pray, look what he said. He said, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. If he gives us our trespasses. He goes on. And here he says, and deliver us not from sin. Deliver us from the evil one. Oh. So he delivers you from the evil one so you can deal with the sin issue. Come on. Because the blood of Jesus still speaks today. It is knocking at the door. Before you shed blood, it is knocking at the door. And you must master it is what it's saying in Genesis chapter 4. And so Cain now is in this place of where we must understand the importance of the blood tests. Because in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, it says this, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it for you, and I've given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement 
by the life. So in Genesis chapter 2, we see the breath of life. And now we're seeing here in Genesis chapter 4, the blood of life. The breath of life speaks to your spirit. Come on. But the blood of life speaks to your body. And he's wanting us to recognize that what they're being, come on church, get this. What he's saying that this pressure is going after your spirit to mess with your soul because it's going after your body. And so if you understand those three dimensions, if you understand those three dimensions, you will be able to be fruitful, to be productive. Why? Because your message will be this. The blood of Jesus still speaks today. It still speaks today. So we must be a people of worship. We must be a people of work. We must be a people of the word of God. Why? Because sin is still knocking at the door of this nation. And you and I as the body of Christ must master it. We have to. Lest it enters in. And we continue to spill blood. This is a good word. It's been so good. It's been so good. And so when we take a look at this, what we have to recognize is this, is that Cain now goes and he didn't want to receive that word. He now has Abel in the field. He thinks nobody is around. See, see, one of the biggest challenges for sin is that we think no one's watching. But God is. And because he's invisible, you don't think he's there. And so here he is now looking around. He now raises up and he kills him. Back to what I said, out of sight, out of mind. But how many know that God knew exactly what was going on? Because all of a sudden it says now that his blood spoke from the ground. That God knew exactly what was going on. Why? Because the blood of Abel was speaking to God from the ground. And so we must recognize this because here's what he's telling them. He's saying, listen, as much as you recognize your history of Cain and Abel, he's saying there is, a, the, 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 there is one who speaks a better word. And we must have that better word or we will continue to be in this place where God is saying, blood is crying out to me. Does anybody hear it as much as I hear it? He says, what have you done? What have you done, Cain? The blood of your, of your, of your brother is crying out to me. Where? From the ground. The very place he labored. Come on. A tiller of the ground. Right to the place where God made him. This Bible is so rich. I'm telling you right now, the first three chapters of the book of Genesis will make you so empowered and so uh, just, just, just rich with the things of God. It is an amazing, amazing first three chapters. And so what he's saying here is this. It's crying out to me from the ground. So you see, see, the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus speaks, speaks not just today, it speaks of today's issues. For, for, for there's nothing new here. It's so the problem that we're having is that Things are happening, and to the church, we think, oh, this is new. What am I going to do? And so what happens, fear gets in now because we're like, it's something new. 
And what he's saying here to the Hebrews, like, this is nothing new. This pressure you're facing is nothing new. Come on. This has been going on for how long? It's been going on. It's been going on. He says, this is nothing new. Because Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9 says, what has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. It means no new activity under the sun. Under the, uh, uh, Solomon was writing this. He's, it's all meaningless. He's writing this book and he's saying, listen, anything that's new, it's already happened. So there's nothing new that's here. So when you look at today's issue, there are three things I want you to write down. Here's the three things that always happen in any issue. I don't care why. I will have a conversation with you. I'll pay for the coffee. Come on. And I'll have a conversation with you on this. The first three I talked about was worship, work, and the word. The next three things is this is what happens. And he's saying there's nothing new here. The first thing is this. Whenever there's an issue, whenever there's an issue that's driving a wedge, first thing is this. Follow the money. Follow the money. God says you can't worship him or money. He didn't say the devil. He didn't put the devil in that category. He said the battle is not between you and the devil. There's, there's, no, there's no battle between God and Satan. Oh, no. He already won that battle before he even created mankind. I want you to understand that. The battle is not between Satan and God. Satan got his butt, he got, he got his butt kicked. I mean, he, he knows that. So he brings deception. Not to God, but to God's creation. <laughs> so he's saying now, understand this, that you can't worship right there. You can't worship, you can't serve God or Money. So in every issue, if you want to be a solution, if you want to be somebody who's going to be fruitful, if you want to have a voice in the conversation, before you speak, there's eight things I taught. Now he's saying, when you're going to speak, he says, follow the money. And so the reason why we know this is because we see in Matthew chapter 27, verse 6 and verse 8. He says here, but the chief priest taking the pieces of silver, come on. The chief priest takes the pieces of silver that was given to Judas, which was money, and said it's not lawful to put them in the treasury since it is blood money. This is so good. It's so, so good. So he took counsel and bought with them the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. Verse 8, therefore that field has been called the field of blood to this day. So in other words, follow the money. So what happens is this, when you look at the story about Jesus being crucified, they said just follow the money. And it ended up back with Judas. What happened? Because the priest came and said, we're going to pay you. It's one thing to be able to, because Judas was saying, I don't really know if this is the son of God. He's not doing anything that David said he's supposed to do. We're waiting for him to overthrow the Romans. We're waiting for him to, to rule and reign. And he's doing nothing. He's healing people. What's wrong with this guy? He's going after the people who are oppressed. What's wrong with you? I thought you came to be the rabbi. I thought you came to be the Messiah. I thought you came to be the one like David who conquered stuff, who killed the Goliath. And Jesus is saying, oh, I'll come back like that. But the first time, your nation is sick. And if I come with that, you will not know my character. And you'd be right back where Cain was. Come on. Sin knocking at the door. And so he tells him then, and so Judas already had doubt. 
But the money just pushed him over it. Come on. So they paid him. Who's close to him? Who's the one that, that, we, can, that we can entice with money? Who, who's the one that is willing to be bought? And so what they did was like, we can't keep you. This is blood money. So the first thing, the first thing to understand is this, that there's nothing new under the sun, is that we see right here that just follow the money. Just follow the money. The second thing is this, is follow the majority. Just follow the majority. And, and so this is now the, the, the blood of Pilate. And so in Matthew 27, verse 24, it says this. Watch this now. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to yourself. So, so here's Pilate now saying, listen, I'm trying to negotiate this thing, man. I've interviewed him. I've come to this conclusion about this man, this blood you want me to take, this man's life. And he said, I, 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 I'm just, I'm, I'm torn. I don't even know what truth is. Because he asked Jesus, hey, what is truth? Come on. So here is a leader of a state, come on, who don't know truth. Oh, good God Almighty. Asking Jesus what is truth. And so he now comes to the place where, where he, he, he's like, I don't know what to do. And so he appeals to the majority because they've said, if you do this, you're not a friend of Caesar. They put political pressure on him, come on, to make a decision. And so we see, follow the majority. And what happens, we must be careful is because, see, see, the reason why this made into the text, the reason why this made into the text, the reason why Pilate's name was made up for this reason, because what the writers wanted people to know that the Bible is historical reality. That if you look into the history of Rome, you would recognize there was a leader named Pilate, and this is what he did. So looking at history should bring you back to Scripture. And that is the importance of it. So they're saying, listen, listen, it's not always about the majority. What you have to recognize, it is about the word of God. It's about what the scripture says. Because what we're looking for is truth. And that's why the eighth point of before you speak is to speak the truth. How? In love. So therefore, it is vital for me then that I know truth because I have something to say. Come on. When you have something to say, it's because you know truth. And I know at times truth may hurt, but guess what? It brings healing. It brings healing. So we want to know what is true. So that's important. The third thing is this, is you follow the masses. So you, 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 you just follow where everybody else is going. And so, and so this is it right here. And so what was dangerous was this, was that in Matthew 27, verse 25, um, the people were so much, there was so much in, in anger that here's what they said, that, that, that all the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. What a dangerous confession to make. That they were saying that what's going to happen is you're going to look through history and you're going to recognize this is where it started. Because a statement was made saying, let it be on us. That's what happens when sin is knocking at the door and you don't know how to master it. And what happens now, you make statements that stick. History now has a way of looking at things and saying, what in the world did you do? So now we have a generation that's been birthed because of these three things. 
And because of this now, they don't know how to function with the pressure that's being applied to them. So with the access of technology, it exposed them to more pornography. And with the access of advancement, it's caused them to go further back from the things of God. And so what we must do is to recognize that we have to get to this place where we say, now, the blood still speaks today. And so this is the remedy. This is what he's saying. How do you handle Pastor Rowe? How do I handle the first three? I want to be a worshiper. Who wants to be a worshiper? I hope everybody here wants to be a worshiper because if you are coming, come on, and physically meeting and you're watching online, you're telling God, I want to be a worshiper of God. That's what I want to be. I want to make sure I can master sin so evil doesn't rule and reign over my life. That I don't want to let anything in that's going to cause me to be still. I don't want to let anything into my house or into the economy of God. So if you are a worshiper of God, let's just Take five seconds out. Can I just interrupt your comfort for just five seconds and have you give God a praise? Clap your hands. Stomp your feet. Shout for joy. I'm a worshiper of God. I am a worshiper of God. Yes, I am. Because the blood still speaks. I'm a worshiper of God. Yes, I am. I'm a worshiper of God. If that's all we do, I'm cool with that. I long for the Sunday. I long for the day when everybody says, I don't have to go to work because I'm at work. Because I'm a worshiper of God. I'm a worshiper of God. See, that's why he gave the Sabbath. So there can be a day where all we do is just worship him. Knowing that he's the provider. And so whenever he would heal on the Sabbath, he would mess them up. And he says, hold on a second. What was second? I thought we couldn't work on the Sabbath. He says, no, you confuse the job with worship. He says, I must work while it's day. For the night comes and nobody can work. So the blood still speaks. The blood still speaks. And so here is the other point now is the shedding of blood. This is what he did to bring us to my final point, the new normal. We have introduced this concept, a new normal, and he's saying, why are you bringing something in that's already been done under the sun? He says, this is the new normal. This is the reality for the body of Christ of what's going on. This is what Cain lacked. This is what the body of Christ needs. This is what he was saying with, with, with the blood of Abel. This is what he was saying, how we're going to be a solution to, to, to what is going on because things are happening. Things are happening. We got to get our head out of the sand, I've often said. And we got to take the blindfold off. Things are happening. And so, in my last two points, this is what it is because we got to be people who recognize that, that, that the blood of Jesus still speaks there. And so, here it is it's the shedding of blood. It's the shedding of blood. So, the first thing we have to recognize that blood was spilled. That blood was spilled. You may talk about this nation and all people who spilled blood for this nation. We understand that. But let's go all the way back into, in, into the original part of it. And he says there was spilled blood that spoke where? From the ground. Come on. The, the, the position is important. I mean, the location is vital. It spoke from the it spoke from the ground. Everything in the word of God has purpose behind it. That's why when Moses wrote, he says, God created man from the dust of the earth, from the ground. And so now he's going back to the very place where he pulled man from. And he's saying, listen, that spilled blood is speaking from the ground. So I can't follow the money. I can't do that. 
because 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 it is coming from the ground. It's coming from the ground. So it said Genesis 4, verse 10. And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying from the ground. I want you to get that. It's coming from the ground. But let's go to the next one now. So there's spilled blood from the ground. Here's the next one now. There is great sweat of blood that's fallen to the ground. So we have we have Abel's blood, Hebrews 10, that's speaking from the ground. But we have Jesus, a better word. Come on. Ooh. And his blood is falling to the ground. So we got blood coming from the ground. And we got blood hitting the ground. Oh, good God Almighty. We have a covenant. Come on. That's being established here. And so he's praying in Luke 22, verse 44. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat became great drops of blood falling to the ground. So what God is saying is that when you truly want to be a solution to what's going on, you will find yourself, come on, on your knees, crying out, says, God, heal our nation's soul. God, bring justice to the oppressed. And by God, for all means, bring reconciliation. Come on. Don't you get up until your sweat becomes great drops of blood hitting the ground. That's causing the injustice. So therefore, that's what's happening. Because in between the spilled blood coming from the ground and the great drops of blood that's falling to the ground, right now we have the sacrifice blood. Come on. And that's Jesus now who sits as a mediator between the voice of Abel. Come on. And the voice, come on, that's crying out. And here comes Jesus now saying that through obedience, I will go to the cross. Because what I must do now is this shedding of blood. If that doesn't happen, there's no forgiveness of what? The thing that's knocking at the door. If you want the knocking to stop, receive the forgiveness from God that comes. Because the only way you can master sin is by looking at the shed blood of Jesus Christ upon the cross. Because there's nothing inside of you and I that can prevent that sin from coming in. But if we look to the cross, if if we tell sin who's knocking, get out. Why? Because the blood of Jesus is here. Can I preach this thing like I feel it? That's why when the death angel came in Passover, he said, if I see the blood on the doorpost I will pass over it spilt blood from a system that's there so we often sing what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus see see, because when you're forgiven of sin you can then approach injustice with purity Because then you're healed. And when you're healed, you bring help and not harm. Come on. And so you extend a hand from the one on the ground. Because you pull them up, recognize it now, that I've been there. Oh, God. And so what happens is this, is we must recognize this forgiveness of sin. The forgiveness of sin. What keeps families apart is not just the separation, but it's the sin. It's the sin. And if we can get forgiveness of sin and know that we've been forgiven of sin, not because we have a license now, but because we are now loved beyond measure. 
We are loved beyond measure. And so now the reason why I can function in faith is because my sin is forgiven. And here is the clue. Thank you for asking. Here is the clue that I will be able to know. And how God knows if you truly know that you've been forgiven of sin. We say it with our mouth. But deep inside of us, we feel the pressure. And so some perform, and we call that religion. Some perform, and we call that religion. But here's what we have to do. Here's what we have to do. We have to recognize that what Jesus did, and this is what he was saying to them. This is so good. He was saying to them, Minister Blair, he was saying to them, uh, he was saying to them, Josephine, he was saying, this is the new normal. The pressure that you're facing to do what's right is the new normal. Your covenant is the new normal. Come on. Come on. And so he says, here's what must happen. And so in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 20, my final two points is this. So we have the first three points, right? The first three was this. It still speaks today. We talked about worship. We, 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 we talked about the importance of, of, of work. We talked about the importance of the word. Then we went deeper, and we're saying there's nothing new. And so we see that, that this thing's always been going on. Follow the money, right? Follow the majority, and follow the masses. And so all of us now we're looking at this concept of where the, the shedding of the blood. And so now we get to this place of, okay, if I am forgiven of my sins, then what is the new, the new normal? And so in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to verse 20, is this. Because, because the rest of the week, the rest of the week, we have other people, excuse me, the rest of this month, who are going to speak about the benefits of the blood of Jesus. I'm just setting the table, right, that they're going to come and they're going to go deeper into what the benefits are. And, and so here it is now that, that this is the, the new normal. And so the first thing is this. This is the new normal. Write this down. The first thing is this. You now have confidence in Christ. You have confidence in Christ. You have the ability because you have confidence to recognize wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. So when you have confidence in Christ, you start with the knowledge that you're forgiven, the understanding of the shed blood, and you now have the wisdom of the confidence of Christ. So whatever you attempt to do, you now do it in the confidence of Christ and because you've been forgiven. And so in Hebrews 10, verse 19, he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. That's what? Opened for us. Remember, opportunity, excuse me, obstacles and opposition preventing entrance neutralized. So what he's saying is this, that what Jesus did in sacrifice in his life and obedience, that he opened for us, that any obstacles or any opposition preventing entrance is neutralized. And walk in it. Walk in your blessing. Walk in what God has for you. Take that step of faith. And he's saying that because of the blood of Jesus, we can do that now. By a new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. So here it is now. So, so how do I take the first part and connect this new normal? So, so here is God saying worship was all from eternity. He's saying that work was always from eternity. He, he, he's saying the word was always from eternity. And now I'm over here with the new normal. So I attach my confidence to the worship of Jesus. Come on. I attach my confidence to the work of Jesus. I attach my confidence to the word of Jesus. So my confidence is in Christ. 
And because I have my confidence in Christ, I am functioning, I am thriving. So the pressures that are coming against me, I have the power now, come on, to be able to break through those things and to be a help to somebody who is also facing the pressures. They're saying, don't quit, because if you quit, other people are going to follow suit. So we need somebody who's going to say, this is the new normal. This is the new normal. Because the worship of Christ, the word of Christ, and the work of Christ. You see, if you want to connect to a cause, connect to the cause of Christ. That, that's, that's right there. Because what happens is you now have something to say. And now you can relate to injustice because you can point to the one who knew no sin. But became sin. So we can be forgiven of our sin. And so he's saying that is the new normal. And there are people that's asking, what in the world is going on? They have no confidence, but the church is. Because the enemy has said, sin is at the door. And they really think it's just about evil. That's what they really think. It's not recognizing that evil has hit its face. Come on. And it's behind the scenes. It's doing all its work. And so we battle the concept of sin and forgiveness. But the enemy with evil just comes in. See, what you must do is you confront evil. But you confess sin. That's what you got to do. You got to confront evil. That's what God did. Satan, you'd be cursed. Come on. And in Genesis 3.15, verse 16, and the seed of the woman shall crush you. And so while we are waiting for that to take place, he's telling the body of Christ, confess sin. And the reason why we can confess our sin is not to condemn us, but it's to give us entrance into a new normal. Because there's people who are saying, I have no confidence anymore in what's going on. And when people don't have confidence, a nation will go into chaos. And he's saying that my blood will spill for that. And here's the second part. So we have confidence in Christ. And here's the thing. The second thing he says is we need full assurance. We need full assurance of this. Verse 21, and since we have a great priest over the what? House of God. Let us draw near with true hearts and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. You see, here's what he's saying. He's saying that, that the blood of Jesus, the Son of God, and I quote, has been shed for you and for me. So that our sins are forgiven and the wholeness of God will now con- not consume you, but thrill you. Let me say that again. Now that we have full assurance, we now step into a relationship with God. And it's not that we are consumed with our sin. It's that we're now thrilled with the forgiveness of God. And he's saying is this, is that the old covenant way, with dead animals and priests who had to die and had to be replaced 
It is saying now you have a living way. You just have, you have one sacrifice, one priest. It says Jesus, and he's alive, and he is interceding for you. So here it is. If you think that what's on your heart, that is an absolute, absolute pressure, Because something you're going to give your life for. Please understand that what he's saying is this. Is that Jesus is interceding for that. And if that lines up with what God has established, no devil in hell can stop it from taking place in your life. So in other words, back to my original point when I said to Megan on her birthday. What will you give your life for that you pour everything out? And the answer must come from the confidence in Christ and the full assurance that what I say because I'm a worshiper of God and what I say because I'm working the work of God and because I heard a word from God, oh, good God Almighty, the very thing that I say Jesus is now the right hand of the Father saying, I'm interceding for them. So it's critical in the hour that we live in that we find our cause and make our confidence in Christ. We must do that. Now it will get messy, but the crucifixion was messy. It was messy. There was blood being spilled everywhere. They were beating his body. It was messy. But what Jesus knew was this. That there was a cause that I had to go to the cross. He said, I'm going to give my life for this because Abel's blood spoke from the ground. But I've got to speak for our people. Come on. Oh, good God Almighty. And I got to set the example. So wherever there's injustice, give your life for it. Why? Because Jesus said, I'm interceding for you. And for those who know this nation needs to be healed, give yourself for it. So we've been declaring 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. But I'm going to tell you, no, no, no. What you got to declare is Acts chapter 4. God, stretch out your hand and healed. Oh, good God Almighty. Stretch out your hand and heal, God. Heal the soul of this nation. Heal the soul of this nation. He said, Jesus died for the remnant. He died for the remnant. He died for people. They're going to give their life, not just to him, give their life for him. And it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. But in the midst of the obstacles, there is a great opportunity that's being arisen. So what will you do? What will you give your life for? That's the question. First and foremost, if you're watching or you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
talking to every young person as well. No more playing church. Parents, tell your children, stop playing church. Hebrews 10, we just read it, 25, says that you were warned. And it's not about this fear on them. God, no, don't do that. Tell them God has a purpose for your life. And he wants to partner with you and intercede for you. That's the good news. Say, God has a purpose for your life that he wants you to give your life for. So whatever sin, whatever is right, they're knocking at the door. Don't answer it. Don't answer it. God has a purpose for your life. I just, I just, I, I, I want to pray. I want to pray over you. But what I'm here to tell you in this season, what are you willing to give your life for? What is the cause that you're willing to give your life for? Is it your freedom? Is it your freedom? Then give your life for Why? Because Jesus died so you could be free. What a message, Lord, you've given me. And Father, I've delivered this message with full weight and conviction and truth of the Holy Spirit. And I know as a church, what we will give our life to God is that we will do life together. Not just a slogan, but it will be our culture. It will be our DNA. This body of believers will find the confidence and the assurance to know that God with you all things are possible. All things are possible. With every head bowed, every eyes closed, right where you are seated, right where you are. Oh, glory to God. Right where you are. What is that cause that is on your heart? David said this when he saw Goliath. Isn't there a cause? What is the thing that you want to give your life to? I told Megan this. I said, um... I really believe that watching Danny and her Blaine are getting married, I said, honey, I said, you know what you know what that, that was about? I said, before I had children, I made sure I sold into other people's children. As parents, the enemy will try to rob you and say, look at how you raise your kids. You know, qualify. I'm here to tell you, there are other Rowans out there who are saying, will someone please parent me? Will you please speak into my life? Tell me that God has a purpose for me. I'm launching, but I want you to get this because the enemy has been lying. He tells lies. And we have no confidence. But I'm going to tell you, don't just stop because you look at your own home or don't just stop because you tried a business didn't work. Try again. Come on. Ask God. God, put it in my heart. What do you want me to do, Lord? I'm going to do it everything because my confidence is in you and I'm not going to let what I see rob me from worshiping who I can't see. So I believe with everything inside of me that God honored that. 
because I would I would go as a youth pastor and I would I would speak to these teens and I would tell them, hey, listen, oh God has a purpose for your life. That was my message. That was it. God had a purpose for your life. I, I, yes, I bought pizza and yes, we did everything else, but I would tell them God has a purpose for your life because here I was, a young man at the age of 18. I was like, God, I'm confused. I don't know which way to turn, but somebody looked me in the eye and he says, Rowan! There is something inside of you. I says, me? He says, yes. There's something inside of you. I said, I don't believe it. He goes, yes. There's something inside of you. God has a purpose for your life. And I believe them. It wasn't my parents. Amen. It was somebody who gave their life and said, I see something in this young man that he can't see. So my prayer, thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm praying for your eyes. I'm praying for your vision. I'm praying that God will give you a cause that is so great that you will give your life to it. So now that you're giving your heart to Jesus, give your life to the cause of Christ. That's the message. That's the word right there. The blood still speaks there, and the word is saying, give your life to a cause that is greater I will intercede and I will intercede for you if that's you I want you to just raise your hand with every head bowed every eyes closed I want you to just raise your hand come on yes Jesus I see it now I see you stepping into what God has for you I see that you're hearing the cry of your brothers I'm hearing you hear the cries of your sister that is crying from the ground I hear you hearing the cry and you are saying God give me the confidence and the assurance that I would declare righteousness in this nation that I would declare holiness in this nation that I would declare God you reconcile in this nation that I will say, God, have your way. So, Father, we thank you and we praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus.